Hello, and welcome to episode 153 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the special purpose. This week, we're going to be talking about the jerk on your I Damn Thee podcast. Mandy Kay, and you can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay if you want to talk about really strange comedy movies from the 70s. And I'm Matthew Vose. I love Steve Martin. This is going to be a difficult conversation. <laughs> Twitter <laughs> at Matthew Vose and stuff. Um, to be fair, oh this was Steve Martin's first feature film. Yes. But I don't was... know that it's forgivable because it's not his performance that's bad. He he was hugely famous and popular already. Yes, because of his stand-up comedy. Yeah, so he made a film. And he made this film. Good. He uh, made this film based on some of his acts, though, in his stand-up. Can you tell us what The Jerk is about? Oh, yeah, we should probably do that before we really talk about it, huh? <laughs> so according to IMDb... A simple-minded, sheltered country boy suddenly decides to leave his family home to experience life in the big city, where his naivete is both his best friend and worst enemy. Good. Yeah. A couple of adjectives could have been thrown in there, but fine. <laughs> um, it's technically right. We, we've talked about Steve Martin before, but how come you haven't seen The Jerk? This is one of those movies I actually didn't know existed okay. before we started doing this show. Hmm. Um, and then when we started doing this show, this one has come up a couple of times from some of our older listeners, <laughs> older than me, <laughs> people who are older than me. How about that? Um, okay, Gen Xer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they would be. Um, I, I've had a couple of folks talk to me about this movie and, and really, really, really want me to do this movie. And okay. I was always very wary of doing this mm. movie based on the few things people had told me about it. Okay. Primarily, when I was growing up, I was a poor black boy from Steve Martin. I mean, that's really all I knew about this movie, and that made me say we might not want to talk about this movie. Um, okay, I, I want to circle back around to people telling you to watch it, if that's okay. Okay, that's, yeah. That's definitely something I, I want to touch on. Um, the Jerk is a 1979 comedy written by Steve Martin, Cole, Carl Gottlieb, and Michael Elias. Directed by Carl Reiner and starring Martin, Bernadette Peters, Jackie Mason, and Kathleen Adams. The film was Steve Martin's first starring role, building on his success in stand-up and comedy albums, as well as appearing on and hosting SNL on a number of occasions. The Jerk made $73 million at the US box office, coming in 8th on the highest grossing films of the year. Including international revenue, it, it made $100 million, which was a great success against its $4 million budget. And I would just like to say this film continues to appear on mm. greatest comedy films of all time lists. Yes, it does. Including the American Film Institute's Four like, 100 live and laugh <laughs> movies. Yeah, it, it's on there. Mm. I was... Uh, can I just jump ahead a little bit? Like, uh, Okay, let's just get this out of the way. It's available to rent everywhere. You can rent it on Amazon or Vudu or iTunes or wherever you like to rent your digital media. Yep. Okay. Did you enjoy this film? No. No. I did not enjoy this movie. 
And I was reading about it afterwards. And I feel like I watched a different movie than everybody else on the planet. <laughs> I don't understand. Am I alone in this? No. Okay. No. I, I watched this. So I, I grew up watching Steve Martin. You know, my dad loved him. So I watched the films. And this was one that was not, I didn't have access to, was on very infrequently. So when I finally saw it, probably sometime in my teens, I was very underwhelmed as well. Okay. In a, oh, this is clearly one of his first films sort of thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not even the performances. The performances were fine, but those there's no story, there's no plot, there's... It's not funny. It's borderline offensive all the way through. <laughs> I think it stays the right side of that borderline. Okay. There is a way of doing... I was born a small black boy and mm -hmm. then discovered I was white. There is a way of doing that that is thoroughly offensive. I can mm -hmm. imagine Seth Rogen or Adam Sandler doing that joke mm, and it yeah. coming off very badly. Steve yeah. Martin does it and it's a bit charming because he's <laughs> not doing it for the comedy of it. He is saying I was raised in a black family and believed I was a black person and, and for some reason I had no rhythm. And couldn't couldn't get into blues songs and so on. Like until he, he heard white people music. Exactly. You know, there there is a, a a funny element to it that he is playing to without necessarily making the race the joke. Or at the very least it's self deprecating on white people. A what little bit. I mean, I think the movie leans very heavily on stereotypes. Mm hmm But it's not just stereotypes against black people or native not native american hispanic people mm -hmm. or white people you know it, it is stereotypes against everybody basically yeah. this movie is every stereotype in existence ever yeah makes a gag in this movie mm -hmm. so it's an equal opportunity uh, stereotypist how about that uh, I'll, I'll tell you the thing that stands out a little bit is this is a guy who loved monty python there are moments in here where he's doing walks or voices or characters mm -hmm. that you just go, yeah, he's wholesale ripping that. Like, he is learning from people doing it very well. And the right. film itself could largely be a Monty Python film. In some ways, yeah, I guess I can see that. And and maybe that contributes to me not liking it. Mm. I, but I don't actually think that's it. And And maybe I just don't have the right humor bone for this but seriously i can't tell you how many times i just turned and looked at joseph wide-eyed and speechless <laughs> while watching this movie because i couldn't believe they just said something or they just did something or that was the gag they were doing it just it killed me like i don't know what i watched and i don't understand how this movie has remained one of the funniest movies of all time there are a few films like this that I, I have that same feeling on, like, were thoroughly hyped up. And, you know, hyping up comedy is not always the best thing for it anyway. Mm -hmm. That when I finally saw them, I was like, I, I, I don't see what everyone else saw. I, I don't feel like there was comedy in there. And and it makes me feel like there are there is a train of films through Hollywood that are comedians making comedy for other comedians. They're mm -hmm. saying, this is how far I can push it. This is my character, my one character that I can do that um, 
will change what we do in the future. No one else will be able to replicate this, but people will try. Right. And people will iterate it and evolve it. The one that stands out in my head is Napoleon Dynamite. Have you seen okay. Napoleon Dynamite? I love Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, interesting. So I watched it and, and I had heard people raving about it. Just on the internet, everyone going, this is just one of the funniest films ever. And I went and saw it and I went, well, that was weird, just sort of mocking dumb people. Okay. I saw it in the theaters, and I think mm-hmm. that may have been my first experience with that kind of comedy, and that may be okay. why it stayed with me. Right. But I quoted it for years afterwards. Okay. Interesting. No, I, I really liked that movie. And I, I think the joke is is not too dissimilar. It's a film people quoted. It It was a film that people took the characters from, and it was doing stuff that hadn't always been done, mm-hmm. and was the sort of the core cast, the core writers doing their like best thing they could do okay and, and sometimes that comes off um i'm trying to think things like anchorman let's say that's will ferrell's sort of core you know his character that he built up and did a thing with right uh blues brothers I, i'm gonna go to the snl crew because that's the easy one right right you know wayne's world and then austin powers like sometimes they can do it really well Sometimes I don't think it necessarily comes off and it's comedy for the sake of comedy that other comedians right. appreciate, but us mere mortals go a bit weird. Well, okay, so let's let's talk about comedy for a second. Um, Roger Ebert's review of this mm. is actually probably my favorite, favorite Roger Ebert review ever. Okay. And um, I... I don't want to wholesale just read the whole review, but I'm probably going to read a lot of it. Okay. Um, because I, I haven't read it, just FYI. Okay. Okay. So he, he gives it two stars. Fair. And he wrote this on June 1st, 1979. And he opens it by saying reviewing a comedy can be tricky because people find things different, funny differently, right? Mm-hmm. If you find something funny and I don't, logic is not necessarily going to dictate. Yeah. Right? And make you change your mind because yeah. comedy is so subjective. So he comes at it from the perspective of explaining why he didn't find the jerk funny. And he wrote, It began to grind on me right at the beginning because it was depending on what's on what rather than why's for its laughs. I'll explain. Hmm. It seems to me that there are two basic approaches to any kind of comedy, and in a burst of oversimplification, I'll call them the funny hat and the funny logic approaches. The difference is elementary. In the first, we're supposed to laugh because the comic is wearing the funny hat. And in the second, it's funny because of his reasons for wearing the funny hat. You may have guessed by now that I prefer the funny logic approach and that The Jerk is almost entirely a movie of funny hats. An example from the film's opening premise, Steve Martin has been raised as a member of a family of poor black southern sharecroppers, and although he is white, it has never occurred to him that he might be adopted. His life is happy until the day he learns the truth and is sent out into the world to earn his way. He hits the road wearing a World War II bomber's helmet and goggles. Okay. The jerk wants us to laugh at this material just at the most basic level. Martin is white and thinks the blacks are his parents. Ha ha. He wears a funny hat when he hits the road. Ho ho. Those are the what's. What about the why's? Why is he wearing the goggles? So we will laugh. There's no plot point to be made and nothing is being said about his character except, of course, of course, that he's a jerk. And then he goes on to compare it to the comedy of the producers and how that one is much more okay. logic. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on to talk about the difference between comedy instead of gags. And he mm-hmm. says, the jerk okay. is all gags and very little comedy. And I think right. that is exactly it. And I think that's a lot of why it doesn't resonate with me. Mm-hmm. 
because gag gags are funny when you get them occasionally, but when okay. it's gag after gag after gag after gag, it's just tiring and you eventually want something of substance. And I didn't get any comedy of substance out of this. Mm, interesting. Does that make sense? It, it does. And, and I don't know how they're done differently. I would say Wayne's World is gags. Yeah. I don't think Wayne's World is particularly quite... The, the core plot of Wayne's World, <laughs> the Rob Lowe stuff and the Tia Carrera stuff, mm-hmm. is not comedy. It's just a no. thing to hang lots of gags off. And it is just constant... Them playing hockey, the psycho ex-girlfriend, um, Garth being Garth, and all their, yeah. all their vo- uh, vocab stuff. Right. But you do have the underlying thread of um, Wayne growing into who he is and okay. like being becoming able to stand up for himself almost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think so okay. it's it's thin but it's there so maybe right? the, the difference isn't necessarily the comedy it's the character I, yeah yeah the, the joke so. does not have characters it has caricatures character types yes. and they don't change or grow particularly right. bernadette peters ever so slightly but everyone right. else is the same yeah. at the end as they are at, at the beginning and they've just been through some stuff and it's not changed them. Yeah. Right. And the the com- the gags don't mm. contribute at all. They're all for one time laughs, right? Yeah, they're not there there's not a thread pulling them all together. So I, I think the best movie I can think of, and you may disagree with me on this. Have have you seen Bridesmaids? I have. So Bridesmaids is a great example of doing both very well for me mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Bridesmaids does rely very heavily on the gag, mm-hmm. particularly in Melissa McCarthy's character diarrhea in the street all of those things but you still have the underlying story of the the main character's relationships Mm -hmm. the the woman getting married maya rudolph and Kristen wig you have their relationship being the the foundation that's grounding the story and you see that relationship grow you see the conflict and you see them come together at the end and everything's great so you you get the gags that complement that Mm mm-hmm and you don't have that with movies like The Jerk. And I think that's why I struggle with it. So right. Because I want something more. Like, I'm happy to laugh at a gag in a stand-up show. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I go to stand-up for. Yep. I go to stand-up to hear joke after joke after joke. I don't sit down to watch a two-hour movie to get that same thing. No. And, and like, like that review is very right. Because what, what we're supposed to laugh at is this stupid guy trying to make it in the world. Mm-hmm. Which is is even more difficult now because we're supposed to be more understanding and accepting. It's a little bit like how we've watched things recently that I've been funny about the way they've treated class and having right. servants in training places and things like that, mm-hmm. which is... Um, and like saying Bridesmaids is, is a very good comparison that you get that one, the wonderful scene. The one that I, I really loved in it is that speech scene. Where they're giving speeches back and forth to try and prove who is the best friend. Right, right. Those are gags. Mm-hmm. And it is a whole sort of set piece. But it's in service of the character and the situation. Yes. So all three things come together very nicely mm-hmm. there. I'm struggling to think of anything in The Jerk that's like, that was a really funny thing that was also in service of other stuff going on. M- Emmett Walsh shooting at him for reasons. Um, random him suddenly getting lots of money 
because that was just the next part of the film. We've seen him be poor. Let's now see him be rich. Yeah. It just, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, him falling out with, was it Marie? Maria? Bundet Walsh. Marie. Um, and then just taking all the stuff and going out. Now, taking all the stuff and going out is one of the famous scenes from this. Really? It's, okay. It, it, that is one of the quoted things. The thing of, well, I need this ashtray. I don't need anything else. I need this ashtray and this remote control and nothing mm-hmm. else. The ashtray, the remote control and the paddleboard. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, you know, it that sort of building on, you know, what things you need. It, it is a Monty Python gag originally, but he does it perfectly here. I don't need you. I don't need anything. Except this. nothing it's not telling us anything about them in in some ways it's stealing her thing because she was talking about i don't care about the money i just want to keep all the stuff yeah which wasn't his thing but then becomes his thing so you know shonky and it's mm-hmm. writing for that we were watching this because people you know really wanted you to watch this yes okay let's talk expectation we, I don't think we've ever really talked this on the show before because we watched some stuff. Um, Constantine, Amelie, films I adore, films that I love mm-hmm. and I want to share with you. We've got Nightwatch coming up, for instance. Okay, mm-hmm. and that brings a certain level of expectation. Mm-hmm. Both, you know, this is a film Matthew loves, and and in the other way, when we've done Rent and the the wonderful sweetest thing the family stone the family stone how good was that and and to the wider <laughs> thing you know the expectations of when we watched splash and everyone loved it because they loved it mm-hmm. right how does expectation affect you when you're watching something like this and how how has that changed since we started the show to now have you do you have coping mechanisms for it coping mechanisms no okay <laughs> Do you just not care if you don't like it? No, which, I mean, I care. Is, is I care. Valid, you know? <laughs> yeah. This movie, I think, is, is tough because I always knew that it was possible I wasn't going to like it. Like, I right. came into okay. it with the expectation of this is going to be really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. it, it, honestly, I have to say it was less offensive than I was expecting. Oh, okay. That's, you know, so I was pleasantly surprised the there. Yep. Like I, I, I was half afraid that we were going to have Steve Martin in blackface. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, um, based on how point. people yeah. had described it to me. Right. Um. And we, we didn't go down that road. Mm. And so I was pleasantly surprised there. Mm. I didn't really know what any of the comedy was going to be. I just knew the people who had told me they wanted me to watch it, who are you know generally ten to fifteen years older than me. Okay insisted that it was hilarious and funny and they thought i might thought it think it was funny as well okay um especially since we have been doing steve martin movies mm-hmm. so I, th- I think this one is a little bit of an outlier with how right. my expectations impacted my viewing okay in general the expectations can mess with my head if they're wild, wildly off. Right. 
Right. And, and I think we've talked about that because your expectations make you think you're getting one thing. And when you get something else, mm-hmm. your instinct is this is crap because it's not what I thought. And you're not watching it for what it is. You're watching yeah. it for okay. what you thought it was. And that can be problematic. And sometimes I have to like stop watching a movie and reframe it and then start it again hmm. so that I'm trying to get myself out of that space. Yeah. Um, although Sounds it probably good. took me about a year to figure out that's something I could do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, expectation plays a lot in how you react to things. Absolutely. Because uh, uh, that's your expectation of it. What about the expectations of, you know, you're sat there with your partner in a film? Because he likes this. This is a... Oh, no, no, no. He oh, thought okay. it was painful. No, oh, okay. he, he thought it was absolutely painful to watch. Oh, I thought he was one of the people going like, oh, you should watch this. Mm-mm. It was just his friend. No, but he did watch it with me. It, no. Yeah, I know it was his best friend was the most recent one, um, okay. which is what prompted me to talk to you about it. Because I was like, Look, this is not the first time this has come up. So I can't just wholesale say we're not doing it without talking to you. Right. <laughs> so then we put it on the list. Um, I think there are times the expectation of the other person and their hope that I'm going to love something because they love it mm-hmm. can be intimidating. Okay. And it, it can... Oh, I'm trying to think what happened recently. That It's a movie you love, and I don't think I liked it very much. But I, it's just a feeling that I have, and I can't remember what it is. Like, I don't think I quite had this level of empathy for it back when we did Monty Python, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I made no bones about hating that movie that you love so much, and we still talk about that. Hmm. But I think more recently... I want to like the things that people want me to like, and I feel bad yeah, yeah. when I don't. Okay. I think, and I think maybe that's what you're trying to get me to say. Yeah. Uh, yes. I know that you will have that expectation. You'll want to please the people. You want to enjoy it on their terms, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But given that you don't necessarily always, mm-hmm. how do you deal with that? What's Is it just you've developed a sort of thicker skin to be able to be like, at least I can explain, because there, there is also this benefit that you and I at least have, you know, 45 minutes to an hour every week right. to explain yeah. our view on the thing and be like, okay, I didn't like that movie you liked and here's why. And we come to an accord on it. I think that's part of it. And I think part of it for me is also trying to figure out why other people do like it so much like I did with Splash. Mm-hmm. I think Splash is a great example because everybody else loves that movie and you and I just did not. No. Right. And so I was trying to find a place of why do people enjoy it versus why I don't Mm -hmm. and is it something that I can understand is it something where I can look at and say oh I get that I just don't feel that way right um and I I don't think I used to do that I certainly didn't do that with you (laughs) and Monty Python (laughs) but again we can um, can understand explain why that was you know yeah well and we we didn't do that with Firefly either well Serenity well yeah Serenity was one of those, I think, where we went into it, even we expected to love it, and everybody else expected us to love it, and we didn't like the movie. Yeah, I don't like Serenity that much, though. So. And back then, though, we were still so early into this, I think maybe some of some of that tact didn't exist. Okay, yeah, that yeah. we have now. Fair. Yeah. Um, especially when we're trying to engage with the folks who are wanting us to do mm. these things. Mm. I like to think that we have a certain level of tact and empathy. 
sometimes. If we haven't, like, do let us know if you're listening saying, you know, but you, you said that thing about Fright Night that appalled me. Or, you know, some other film that we've covered. Do do tell us. Yeah. We, we won't necessarily change our minds. But it, it is, I do love hearing the different opinions. It's why I love cinema so much. I yeah. love yeah. the different aspects of, you know, where you, you watch a thing with other people. Uh, this is especially the cinema, but movies in general. You watch the same thing as other people, but you have a different opinion and a different takeaway. This is coming off the heels of you having watched Star Wars, isn't it? Uh, uh, d- no. Really? A, a little bit of it is I had to write a profile on myself for the Society newsletter because we're doing profiles okay. of committee okay. members. Um, and th- this is the thing I always say about it. of like It's great. A- at work, we do team outings every so often. And every time I'm like, we should go and see a movie. And then we should go for dinner. And everyone's like, no, it's you're sitting in the dark. You're not it's not a commun it's not a communal thing. It's like, but it is. You sit and you go through a story together and mm-hmm. then you talk about that story. Mm-hmm. Like you are going through something together. It's just not sitting and having a beer and talking about the kids at home and stuff. The you know, the right. usual things. So and and that's what I love about going to the pictures and mm-hmm. getting to sit and talk about movies. Um but also, yes, Star Wars, because there's lots of Lots well, I mean, I just feel like that's relevant right now. My my Twitter timeline is full of people warring about Star Wars. You see, it's bad because I'm not seeing the other side of it. I'm only seeing people oh, with a okay. similar, similar opinion to me. Okay. <laughs> I, well, and I'm also not too deep in it because I haven't seen it yet. And, you no. know, I try to avoid spoilers. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm only seeing kind of like that surface level. But I do see both sides yeah. of yeah. people who love it and people who hate it and you know, sniping back and forth with each other. I, I mean, given this comes out in a few weeks, so, you know, all the spoilers in the chat will be over by by that point. I'm not going to spoil it. Don't worry. Okay. There, are, there are like, <laughs> there are, I think, three things that could be actively spoiled and there's only one of them I think that matters. Okay. Which, because we, we had a conversation about that, like, could we have spoiled this film? Does it actually matter in the end? There's one thing that I'm like, oh yeah, I would have, the film would have been less if I'd known what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm. the jerk though let's get back on it right that was um, a heck of a tangent and, and we don't sometimes it's nice to have these moments where we can sort of check where we are and you know check in with everyone make sure we're okay and absolutely i i think that it's easy to forget sometimes that we may be very harsh on something that somebody else's love like yeah like we might yuck somebody's yum, and that's not necessarily something that we want to no. do, at least mm. not in that way. I think our goal is to express our opinions and not necessarily tell somebody else their opinion is wrong. And I hope that comes across. Hopefully so. And, and- I, I feel certain there are times it hasn't, <laughs> but, you know. And, and be entertaining at the same time. And be entertaining hey, at the same time. Hey, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Adam Gresham. Um... There was a review in the New York Times that describes this. It says, Mr. Martin, who began his career with an arrow stuck through his head, has since developed a real genius for playing dumb, even when it's crude. Now that, for me, coming from... Because I didn't know Steve Martin as a stand-up and comedy albums Mm -hmm. and all this. I know Steve Martin from All of Me, The Man with Two Brains, or Parenthood, Parenthood. or House Sitter. That does not mesh with my view of Steve Martin. Like the films he does after this, he plays an attorney, a brain surgeon, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever. 
someone fairly successful, intelligent, and capable. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting that he started off doing this stupid guy stuff. This, like, wasn't it funny? I don't get the world kind of thing. And then suddenly it seems to click, like, oh, I can actually play higher status characters and do something more interesting with them, with the story and the plot. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a few moments in this movie where I thought they were evolving his character to be okay. more, I don't want to say smart, but more mature. Mm. But they devolved it very quickly. Yeah. Um, and I, do we know how old he was supposed to be in this movie? No. Nah. Okay. Because that's a sticking point for me, I think, <laughs> and part of it. But I also struggled with... The opening scene, I couldn't tell if he was if he was supposed to be drunk or if he was supposed to be mentally challenged. A bit of both. It was really tough mm. to tell. But then as soon as we went back to, like, we flashed back to his story, mm. he spoke normally. Yeah. At that point. And so then you realize, oh, he just does drunk very, very badly at this point. <laughs> right. Because he was... 34 when this came out. Holy crap, seriously? Mm. He has has always looked that age. Okay, that's true. He still looks that age. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there are other things going on to keep him looking that age, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. I think it's, I mean, I think it's a fair review from the New York Times, though, considering this is his first movie. Mm. If he'd only done SNL and these gags like the gags with the arrows stuck through his head, mm. and then you move from that to this movie, then, yeah, he plays dumb. That's what he does. Mm. It sounds like that's his shtick. And he thankfully grew out of that. Yeah, it's just really interesting how it suddenly seems to go, and he almost doesn't go back to it. He's it, He is just someone who plays these capable characters, but who get into scrapes. That's the comedy he goes to. The Father of the Bride stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of him as. Yeah. Hmm. I'm thinking like parenthood is the same way, father yep. of the bride, the yep. um LA story. Yes. Yeah. All of them are they're not the same character, but it's the same kind of comedy, hmm. right? Like it's better than this. <laughs> but again, I think that's the difference between comedy and gag. Because yeah. those all have stories that are enhanced by gags. Mm-hmm. They're not just gag after gag after gag. Yeah. And and even in this, it's not gag after gag. They're pretty far apart. I mean, I've read interviews and comments about like, oh, we you know kept adding jokes in. We kept doing stuff. We wanted to have something on every page of the screenplay that would make people laugh out loud. Mm-hmm. And, and I just don't think it made it into the final product. When I compare it to, and I know these are not necessarily things you've seen, but when I compare it to something like Airplane, or mm-hmm. what was uh, the producers that are genuinely funny and have gags coming at you. I mean, Airplane is just, it's not like it's every page. They want every single shot. There's something going oh, on wow. that's trying to make you know. And if that's not going to make you laugh, there'll be another one in 10 seconds. Don't worry. Okay. And this, I don't think reaches that far. Okay. It, yeah. it, it goes, right, we're going to have this one gag. And the gag is that the guy's shooting at cans, shooting at him and he doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. And that's the joke we're going to see. I feel like there is even more you could have done with that in some way. Mm-hmm. But it just, yeah. it's not there. They thought that was funny enough and so put it on screen. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. 
I mean, Blues Brothers has some of the same sort of plot, someone randomly trying to kill them. And frankly, that's Carrie Fisher, so it's a lot more charming than M.M. Walsh. But <laughs> even that is done in a more comedic way and then comes to a better resolution. They just thought. Oh, yeah, it was there is funny no resolution to this. No, absolutely not. It's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. It's just a bit weird. Hmm. All right. Did you, given all of the things that we're saying about this movie, it's clear neither of us really enjoyed it, but did were there things that stuck out to you as being ple- pleasant to watch or funny? There, there is some good stuff in here. And this is why I probably, I think I'd give it a six. There is stuff that makes me laugh. You know, and and it is. It's gag after gag. So there is stuff in here that will be funny, mm-hmm. to to be fair to them. I, I talked on, I think it might have been Little Shop of Horrors. One of the things I love about Steve Martin is his physical comedy. He is so in control of his whole body. He can be looking the other way and turn around, do something behind him whilst this hand's doing something, and he's dancing in a funny way. He's just... He's so kinesthetically away, so perfect at moving his body and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's his years as a stand-up, as a musician, uh, a magician, as and a musician, and all this coming together. And the bit where he's in bed, and he looks at his feet, and his feet are keeping time with the music, and suddenly he realises he's got one hand clicking, and, then it, and he doesn't notice it at first. So he's looking at his feet, the hand's going next to him, and then he notices the hand, and he starts reacting to the hand. And then he starts trying to do it with his other hand, so he starts reacting to that. And the feet are still going in front of the scene as well. Mm -hmm. And then he gets up and he dances, and he's trying to keep it going. He's doing all this stuff together. And it's so (laughs) perfect, because it looks like the four limbs are separate. It looks like he's he's a Muppet with four people controlling each different limb or something, (laughs) you know. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's so good. It, It is the perfect sort of thing of... Steve Martin doing that stuff well. He does less and less as time goes on mm-hmm. because it's a one-trick sort of thing. But in right. here, it's a perfect distillation of it. And I, I just, I had a huge grin on my face when that was happening. Okay, so, good. So that was good. Uh, Marie, Marie, Maria, what was it? Marie. Bernadette, that one. Bernadette Peters. Um, she comes in towards the end in the old dress and he says, why are you wearing that old dress? And she, <laughs> See, it makes me laugh just thinking about it. She says, Because I just heard a song on the radio that reminded me of the way we were. <laughs> I don't need the punchline, see? Right, yeah. It's funny that, and in some ways, the punchline ruins it. What was it? Where we were. Like, no, we were there two lines ago. It was funny <laughs> as it was. You could, I'm sure there's a, a line from the song they could have continued it with. Mm-hmm. that he didn't realize was a line from the song something along those lines but right just for that moment i am like that's very nice that's very cute mm-hmm. um because okay. it, it is it is one of those sort of expressions the way we were it it it's not a phrase you would the word the words make sense in that order but it's not a phrase you would use except for referring to the song and is it a musical film something don't know i'm not sure yeah no it's a song. That's all I know. I love that he buys her a thermos at the end. I think Why? I think that is Chekhov's thermos in the most subtle way. Because when he proposes to her in the bath, he says Oh my gosh. Yeah. He says, I'm oh, writing you a right. song and he sings a song about the sort of thermos he's gonna buy her. Honey, guess what? I wrote a song for you this morning. 
Oh, I'm picking out a thermos for you. Not an ordinary thermos for you. But the extra best thermos you can buy with vinyl and stripes and a cup built right in. I'm picking out a thermos for you. And maybe a barometer too. I totally didn't even pick up on that. Now, and, and that's a good joke because, or, or a good moment because they're not lampshading it. They're not saying, "Just we're just going to make sure all you, you know, people who are like this guy have got it. We're just going to make sure everyone's up. It's just a mm-hmm. moment in the film. Like, if, mm-hmm. if you don't get it, it's funny that he's got her a thermos. It's sort of continuing mm-hmm. the stupid humor. Right. And then when you realize it's like, oh, that's actually very sweet. Yes. Absolutely. This is like live, me figuring this out. Because <laughs> I'm one of those, I just thought it was stupid humor. I did not put those two together. Mm. That's fantastic. It's incredible. Yeah, really nice moment. And then there was one joke from this that I really liked when I was a dumb teenage boy watching this. Of and course. I, and I still think is quite funny now. <laughs> I, I did laugh at this one too. I think partially because of the delivery. Because it's in the letter and it's his mama reading it out and saying, I think next week I'll be able to send more money as I may have extra work. My friend Patty promised me a blowjob. Your loving son, Nathan. And he's got the kisses here. Followed up by the mom and dad. That Patty must be a sweet girl. God bless her. And then you get the brother snickering, yeah, which is just perfect. Like yes. that just puts the, the the icing on the cake. Is that mm. snicker? It's really good, and it's it's just I, like I don't think I'd particularly had heard a joke like that mm-hmm. at the time I saw this. So it was kind of right. oh, that's kind of rude, but done in a not rude way, which mm-hmm. fits again a little bit into how some of the that could be really offensive. There is a way yeah. of doing that joke that goes too far that just becomes stupid. It's just that moment. And then we move on. And then it's not even any more of a thing. Yeah. But. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. And, and you know, there is writing in here that's good. I think we can we can credit it with giving us a laugh. Is there anything that made you laugh, though, he says? Yes. There, there's, I mean, there several of the jokes are funny. Okay. You know, and I know we've said that, you know, gags stand alone on their own. Several of the things in this movie did make me laugh. Right. The one that like gave me an absolute belly laugh though, which mm-hmm. I think it's the funniest line in the whole movie. So there's this whole thing in the middle where he's with this woman at the carnival and she's clearly had several partners in her life. <laughs> oh, bless you. <laughs> she, it's Patty, right? This yeah. is his friend yeah, Patty. Yeah, yeah. Um, she gets his name tattooed on her butt with a lot of other names apparently. And he had previously had this moment where he was, once he was out on his own and he finally got an address, he was in the phone book. And he mm-hmm. was so excited about being in the phone book because his name was in print. That meant he was somebody. The new phone book's here! The new phone book's here! Well, I wish I could get that excited about but Nothing! Are you kidding? Page 73, Johnson, Maven, R. I'm somebody now! Millions of people look at this book every day. This is the kind of spontaneous publicity. Your name in print that makes people. You can't buy this kind of advertising. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) And when he sees his name tattooed on Patty's butt, he goes, 
And now I'm on your ass. You know, I'll bet more people see that than the phone book. <laughs> and I legitimately cracked up. Nice. I thought that was hilarious. It is, it the is delivery was great. Yeah. I mean, because he's just, he's so tickled by it. And they're not on screen at that point. It is a no. shot of a carnival ride. I suspect they're not in the carnival ride. That is pure ADR. Mm-hmm. Just them recording lights. Oh, we've come up with this gag. Oh, we don't have time to do the reshoot. Let's shoot a carnival ride and pretend they're on it. And then yeah. oh, we can record this line. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really, I really like that. It was funny. And... Th- the special purpose thing mm-hmm. was funny as well. I mean, it was kind of horrible, but also funny. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. St- stupid humor, but yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Patty. So this is our first time really mentioning Patty. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is utterly a caricature. Daredevil woman. It, I, I suspect in the sort of gender-swapped version of this, she'd be played by John Belushi. It's it's like the character yeah. from Animal House. It's got that kind of thing going on mm-hmm. with it, except, of course, she's a hot woman. Mm-hmm. She had amazing hair. I love that purple and pink hair. I, I did love how it's designed to fit under the motorcycle helmet well. Yeah. It's very yeah. cool. So she can wear the helmet, take it off, still look amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. I do like that Bernadette punches her. Oh, yes. That was very good. good. That that was that was a lot of good build up to how scary she was. And mm-hmm. then Bernadette's scarier. Awesome. Yeah. This tiny little blonde woman. Yeah. Um, so I don't know Bernadette Peters. Okay. But you clearly did. I did. I do. She Well, she's a famous Broadway actress. Okay. Um, she has done several movies and she's done a lot of TV, you know, specials and stuff. You have probably seen her on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, wait. No, you haven't because you didn't watch the early seasons. First 10 seasons, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you didn't see that episode. Okay. Because that's, we've already watched it on our. Right rewatch so it's before season five so you didn't see her there she was um my introduction to bernadette peters was as the evil stepmother in disney's live action cinderella the one that had brandy and whitney houston and okay. goldberg okay. and victor garber right in it um great cast it's my favorite version of cinderella it's amazing mm, I haven't seen bernadette it. peters was the evil stepmother um so that's where i mostly know her from but she's done a lot of guest tv she's Famous okay. Broadway singer. She played, um, she was in Smash. I don't know if you ever watched Smash. No, sorry. It was a short-lived TV musical series. Okay, right. About a Broadway show about Marilyn Monroe. Okay. <laughs> she yeah. was in it. Yeah. But yeah, no, Bernadette Peters is, she's, she's got a very distinctive look and voice. Right, okay. Very distinctive. Yeah, she was clearly a singer. Like mm-hmm. She was very good at the songs in this. Yes. Mm. And as she should be. Yeah. Good. All right. Is there anything else that we need to discuss about the jerk? I have a couple of questions, actually. Okay. The jerk. You know, I always go to titles, wondering what titles actually mean. Is it that the word jerk has changed its connotations over the years? I would not describe this guy as a jerk. Jerk to me implies a level of insensitivity, meanness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas this guy's just naive at best. Right. I I don't know. I don't quite understand the title. Mm. Um, I mean, the, one of the opening lines is, I'm not a bum, I'm a jerk. Yeah, exactly. Right? And 
but I, I, I don't know because so here's um, I'm going to go back to Roger Ebert's review mm-hmm. because the, the last pair, I disagree with his like conclusion in his okay. review. And he's also, he's trying to be intellectual and play off the title of the <laughs> right. jerk. He says, there's a smarmy undercurrent in this movie that seems to imply that Steve Martin may be playing a jerk, but that we all know what a cool guy he is. Well, if you're going to play a jerk, play one as if you think you are one or you might wind up looking like a jerk. And the way he writes that tells me that the word jerk in this context means the same thing that we expect it to mean today. But he's not actually a jerk. No. So I don't know. I mean, I think Roger Ebert was just trying to sound cool and funny by using the word jerk so many times in that paragraph. (laughs) And I I think his conclusion there is not quite right. But if that really is what the jerk means, I don't really think it's relevant to this movie. So, I mean, I agree with you. It's a terrible title. Mm. And it's, it's strange because I think he does buy into what the character is. I don't think the character is a jerk. So maybe this is the expectation thing. Roger Ebert was expecting a jerk to be, yeah, stupid joik. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sort yeah. of guy um whereas actually this is the idiot the fool yeah he was all innocent and naive he yeah. was not malicious and mean-spirited no exactly and so, that's what you expect from a jerk hmm. it's funny that's the sort of argument i make about the good villains if someone plays a villain well they're playing it because they think the villain is the good guy of the piece mm-hmm. that's the best villain Someone who actually right. says, I'm doing this, but I'm doing this for good reasons, so I believe in it. Mm-hmm. Rather than the, mwaha, I'm villainous, ha that's, you know, boring. Anyway, um, so we've gone right back to the beginning of Steve Martin's career, um, and he would do several films with Carl Reiner. Are you interested in carrying on with Steve Martin? Are you interested in finding the Carl Reiner films? I don't know anything about Carl Reiner. When I saw his name, I mistakenly for about five minutes thought he was rob reiner and then i realized that rob reiner's name was rob and not carl okay i mean close he's rob reiner's dad oh interesting okay <laughs> um i just you know rob like Rein- my first thought in my thought stock was carl reiner is that the princess bride dude and then i was like wait no <laughs> um so i i don't know anything about carl reiner other than he does cross-eyed really really well mm-hmm from that is a cameo in this. very good cameo in this uh rob <laughs> reiner was the guy who drives him to the end of the fence Okay. Because why not? Um, right. What do they do together? They did together uh, the jerk, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, which I think you'd hate. I think it's hilarious, but I think you'd hate it. Uh, the Man With Two Brains and All Of Me were the three, the, the other three they did together. Okay. I think The Man With Two Brains is on our list. I think you put it there. I suspect so. I think you put most Steve Martin movies. Yeah. I'm fine watching more. Okay. I mean, I this, this is the first questionable Martin movie that we've seen, honestly. Right. And it's again, it's not performance. Mar- Steve Martin is funny. He has great theatricality, he has great physicality. Mm-hmm. It's just for a movie this didn't have enough story and narrative and purpose. Right. And I'm hoping, I mean, I know he evolves into that because I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen other movies. And so it, it may be interesting to see more of his early stuff. Okay. I am happy to watch more Steve Martin if if you would like to. Well, All of Me has Lily Tomlin in it. And okay. The Man with Two Brains has Kathleen Turner in it. Okay. So that they're worth watching. In All fact, right. Crikey, Man with Two Brains has got James Cromwell, David Warner, Ooh. Paul Benedict, Jeffrey Coombs. Crikey. Um, 
I'm supposed to know who all those people are. Yeah, famous people. Famous Star Trek people, surprisingly. James Cromwell was the guy from Babe, right? Yes. Zephyr Cochran. <laughs> okay. uh, Jeffrey Coombs will be in DS9. Okay, that name sounds familiar. And honestly. David Warner was the Klingon Chancellor in Star Trek Six. Mm, okay. Good. Good. <laughs> um so so Dead Men don't wear plaid, that's the other one. Let's let's see. Uh it Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid is partly a collage film incorporating clips from 19 vintage films. They are combined with new footage of Steve Martin and other actors similarly shot in black and white, with the result that the original dialogue and acting of the classic films become part of a completely different story. That sounds horrible. So conceptually, it's interesting, but I'm not sure it's yours. You know, it's a noir story, noir comedy, in fact. I am not sure I am the target demographic for that kind of movie. I'm not sure I would get it. Okay, yeah, that's fair. It was only once I understood that that I understood what this weird film was doing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if if enough people want us to do it, I'll do it. But my instinct is to say, let's probably not do that one. Yeah, if anyone else has even heard of that one, frankly. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PCDeprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at EloquentGushing. You can send an email to podcast at EloquentGushing.com, or you can leave us a voice message at SpeakPipe.com slash EloquentGushing. We are completely funded by listeners like you through Patreon. Anything you can give gives access to exclusive content, bonus shows, extra shows, early shows. It gives you physical merch like stickers and magnets and coasters and discounts off our merch store. Uh, it's wonderful to get the support of all our patrons who we love so very, very much. And if you want to join them and find out more, you can visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we'll be back next week where we are going to talk about Moonstruck. I'm kind of excited about this one. <laughs> Until then, I'm Mandy Kay. And I failed everything but the date of birth. You know, that means he also failed his name. Yes. <laughs> Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing.